maybe you just have a bad day, we do start to think, okay, well, what is there to life? Like, how do we get that fullness of life? I mean, sometimes my life is so boring. I'm so bored and all I seem to do at the moment <laughs> is sit on my laptop and, and then I watch Netflix and I sit on my laptop and watch Netflix in the evening. Um, especially in lockdown, it's like, it is so boring. So we can have this thought about what is uh, the fullness of life about? What, how do we get this full, vibrant life? And of course, the Bible has an answer for us. Um, and I don't think I'm giving you any spoilers if I say, yeah, it is related to God. Um, not, not sure that's going to shock everyone. But what we're going to do is we're going to dive into it. And we're just going to dive into a really, really short snippet of the Bible. And we're going to unpack it layer by layer. So um, if you can turn to me with uh, telling me to John chapter 17. And uh, this is uh, John's Gospel, New Testament. And we're thinking a bit back past the, the resurrection, thinking a little bit back past um, the crucifixion, back past the betrayal. We're actually at the Last Supper and they've eaten. Uh, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet and Jesus has been talking to the disciples. He's been teaching them and he's been explaining to them that the Holy Spirit is going to come, that, that he's going to have to leave and that they will face some trials, that the world is going to reject them. And this has been quite hard for the disciples to hear. So kind of just keep that in your mind as we as you read this passage. And so Jesus um, turns and he prays. And so reading from John 17, and we're just going to read um, just the first three verses, actually. So after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So as Jesus prays, and he's praying out loud because John, John overhears this, um, he is specifying, isn't he, that, um, that the Father sent the Son and that God, the Father, has given the Son all authority over all people um, and so that he can give eternal life. That's the phrase that's used here, eternal life, to those who follow him. And when we think of eternal life, um, we can be kind of tempted just to take it at base value. Eternal life, life, living that goes on forever. And when I say eternal life, you're probably thinking about going to heaven after you die. Or perhaps if you are a little bit more familiar with Revelation and some of the promises in Isaiah, you might be thinking, oh, okay, and there's also going to be a new heavens and a new earth. God is going to make everything new. There's going to be no more pain, no more suffering, and we're going to live forever in that. And, and you're definitely not wrong if you've thought either of those two things. Um, but note here that Jesus makes a specific, um, puts a specific note about the definition of what he means by eternal life. And he, he does this on purpose. He goes and defines eternal life. Like, he doesn't need to do this. God knows what eternal life is. Um, and he also uh, refers to himself in the third person to make it really obvious that this is for us. This is a little side note for us. This is not just him talking to God. This is something that we should be learning from. Because Jesus doesn't need to say this. He doesn't need to spell out eternal life. God knows what it is. Um, and he doesn't need to refer to himself in the third person, but it's to make it really clear to us. And he says this, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, 
uh, third person, very strange. Um, but he's doing this to pull our attention to it and so we know exactly who he is talking about. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That is what eternal life means. It's not actually so much about the, the length of the life, although we will be living forever worshipping God. It's about the quality of the life. Life to its fullest, a technicolour life that is vibrant and brilliant. It's about knowing God. And we're just going to go through this um, and unpack what that means, what it means to know God. So the first thing I want to draw out is that knowing God is intimate. This is not a head knowledge of knowing who God is, knowing the things that he's done. I mean, that is important, um, but that's not all this is. When we talk about this word, this um, word, this phrase for knowing someone, in that culture, it does mean an intimate, personal, close relationship with someone. I want you to think about um, how we build intimacy. Now, um, if you think, or maybe just take your friends, um, your family, a boyfriend or girlfriend, think about how you become close to them. Well, it's, it's a lot of spending time with one another, isn't it? It's enjoying the same kind of things. Um, eating together has actually been proven to um, create intimacy. It's, it's often, yeah, simple little things, doing everyday life with people. And, and we know how to do that with God, don't we? We know about praying, we know about reading the Bible, we know about spending time with other Christians. Um, and through that, we, we get to know God. And I don't think any of that is particularly um, new to you. But one thing that I did want to raise is that actually a really important part of infamous, infamacy, that's not the word, intimacy, um, as studies have shown, is about vulnerability. So there's uh, quite a lot of scientific research that shows that actually if you want to be intimate with someone, you have to feel able to be vulnerable. And that means you have to feel accepted, valued, like you have worth and, and welcomed by someone in order to feel that intimacy. And so I think it is really worth just going back to God's character, going back to those promises, um, those statements in the Bible that show how much God loves us, that shows how much God values us, he, he accepts us and cares about us. Um, I don't have time to go into all of it because this could be a uh, talk in and of itself. Um, but if you are struggling with intimacy with God, Tell yourself those truths over again, over and over again. Read them, really push into that and pray against that, that feeling. Because often that is why we don't feel intimate with God is because we feel ashamed. We feel like we have to put our barriers and push him away. Um, or perhaps we want him to be someone that he's not to do things in a certain way. And, and God doesn't just bow to our whims and do things exactly as we want them. He is he's God, he's his own being. He, he does things with infinite wisdom. Um, and we have to re respect that. So we can't just assume that he will do what we want. And intimacy is about accepting that um, and accepting that we are accepted. That because Jesus died on the cross, that we are pure and holy and blameless in God's sight. Um, and so definitely have a think about that. Dwell on that. Let that um, sink in with you as you know God in that intimate way. The second thing that I want to bring out of this is that knowing God is impactful. And I'm, I'm not actually 100% sure if impactful is a word. Um, I meant to Google it before I looked at this talk and forgot. Um, so if it's not, bear with me. It fits what I want to say, hopefully, quite well. 
So it's impactful. As this knowledge of God, as this relationship with God grows, it is going to affect your life. That's the point of this talk, is that knowing God affects your life, it makes it vibrant and bold um, and technicolor. And how could it not? Think about that steadfast love that God has for you. Think about the way that he sent his, his son himself to die on that cross to take the punishment for all of the bad stuff you've done, to take the punishment for that sin, as, as Sophie was saying a few weeks ago. How can that not change us, that love? Like, how if we, if we truly know that, that's going to come out in the way that we see ourselves, in our identity, in the way that we are secure in knowing that God loves us. That actually, we won't need to romanticise ourselves, like that video was saying at the beginning. That actually, we will be able to um, be secure in the knowledge that our identity is in God. Well, we don't need to worry about what other people think about us. Because all that matters is what God thinks about us and God thinks because of Jesus' death, that we are wonderful. And also we think about Jesus' resurrection, that God defeated death and evil, um, and that we can share in that, that wondrous future, that God has that power, that he is in control of everything. Well, we can trust him. And when we think about that, that hope that we will be able to join in him, and we think about the fact that that hope is certain, like Kev said, Wow, that changes. We're so secure in that. We don't need to worry about the future because we know that God is in control and we know that we have those incredible promises of new heaven, new earth, everything wonderful um, to hold on to. But that doesn't mean necessarily that um, it's gonna, knowing God is going to make everything happy in our lives. I want to stress that. Um, because actually, as we uh, learn more about Jesus, as we know him and we know the kingdom and God's kingdom that he came to proclaim, we also know and, and grow closer to his heart for the broken. We grow um, more angry and, and sad and mourn the sin that is in the world. Actually, um, I'm going to be really lazy here and not use my own illustration at all. I'm going to use the one that Sophie used a few weeks ago. Nice little bit of recycling. Um, because, but in the same respect, because I think it's so brilliant. Um, so she was talking about New Girl. And that there's this character called Winston Bishop and that he uh, is colourblind and he's given these glasses that allow him to see um, colour as, as every um, yeah, able-sighted person might be able to see colour. And then he's a bit, he's really happy because like, wow, he can see all this colour, but he's also a little bit horrified because, yeah, he sees that the horrible things that he's been wearing that really clash and don't go. Um, and, and Sophie was kind of saying, this is a bit like us when we realise our sin, when we see um, but actually, yeah, there are there is sin in the world. There is there is evil, um, and I think this is this is the perfect illustration for this because actually knowing God is like putting on those um, those glasses that let you see color. Because yes, they'll let you see all of the the positivity, like God's righteousness and goodness. But yes, you will also see sin, and and it might make you, it might stir your heart to want to go and help the broken and the outcast, and that might put you in uncomfortable situations. So yes, knowing God is impactful. It will change your life. It will change the way that you see the world, um, and that is a really good thing. But it doesn't always mean that it's easy. And that actually brings me to my third part because knowing God is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Because yeah, it's hard. I think um, 
it's really easy when we talk about, oh yeah, God really loves us and, and therefore I'm going to be secure in my identity in him and, and I can trust that I've got this great future so I'm going to hold on to it and I'm, I'm not going to be afraid um, and you know, I've got this purpose to work in God's kingdom um, so I'm not going to be bored and actually, oh my gosh, I put all of those things all the time. I'm constantly bored and being like, what am I doing with my life? I am 100% not trusting. I mean, like I have anxiety, so I'm like constantly worried the world is ending. And uh, what was the other thing I said? Oh, being secure. Oh, I'm totally insecure, like all of the time. I'm like, what did that person think of me? Oh no, I said the wrong thing. Like they must hate me. Um, oh, I can't say that because they'll think that of me. Like I have all of those thoughts all the time. I think we all do. We all struggle to hold on to those truths, to hold on to that intimate relationship, um, to to hold on to the way that it is uh, knowing God is impacting our lives. But we don't have to do it alone, and and God knows this. And this is why that God and Christ sent the Holy Spirit for us, because that is what the Holy Spirit does in us. He works and he changes us to be more like Christ, to be more like God, and um, to be able to draw closer. In fact, one of the key things that John pulled out of, um, or that, J- that John uh, was, was talking about just before Jesus prayed this, um, is how the Holy Spirit helps us. John includes Jesus' teachings on the Holy Spirit helping us to know God, helping us to know the truth, who he is. That's in, in John chapter 16, 13 and 14, if you want to look it up. It's important that the Holy Spirit helps us to know the truth about God. And this isn't a process that happens immediately. In fact, going back to uh, to the original passage in, in John, um, and thinking uh, about the term that he uses, which is, just getting my Bible up, um, yeah, so now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Um, but actually, if you look at that verb, um, the verb they know you, it's actually probably more tra- correctly translated as they are knowing you. They are growing to know you. Because it's a journey. It's not like we wake up one day and we're like, we're like boom, today I know God. Like, I'm sorted. No, this is a gradual process as the Spirit works in us, transforms us, um, and helps us to, to know God, helps us to put in the time. Um, and the effort into, into reading the Bible, into praying, into, into spending time with other Christians, into, into um, yeah, pursuing that relationship with God. And, and gradually revealing the truth of God through all of those things I've just mentioned. It's not immediate, it's a journey, and it is um, a journey that is going to make your life so rich um, and, and colourful. So I want to finish just by challenging you today to maybe have a think about how well um, you know God. And maybe have a think about actually how, um, yeah, how knowing God is at the centre of your life. And if it's not at the centre of your life, then perhaps think about putting it there. Because this is what the Bible is saying, is that knowing God should be at the centre because it is the way. Not one of many ways, it is the way to live a full, vibrant a technicolor life. So maybe go through and think about your relationship with God. Think about whether you have an intimate relationship. Think about whether it is um, impacting your life and pray, always be praying for the Holy Spirit to be transforming you and helping you in pursuing God. 
And this doesn't mean you can't go off traveling and see the world and see the beautiful things that God has made in creation. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't continue on as you are at school with your friends, playing the Xbox. Um, it doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't mean you can't go to university, um, you can't grow up, get married, have a house, all of that. Like, like that is great. I'm not saying it is not. But it is nothing if it is not built on a foundation of knowing God. Because that, and only that, is how we get fullness of life.